Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the most insane statements to come from economists in recent memory. I'm acutely aware, as I'm sure many of you are, of the unsustainable levels of government debt in the US, Canada, the UK, France, Switzerland, Italy. I could go on. The justification for the debt is that as long as interest rates are lower than the level of real economic growth, that is growth of real GDP, the debt is sustainable. But folks, here's where that argument falls apart. We know that our population is aging. That's not a secret. We also know that as people age, their spending patterns change. They spend less. They also borrow less. So the argument is that economic growth is going to continue at the same 2.1% in the coming years in the Western economies. That makes no sense at all. We saw in Japan that economic activity stagnated as soon as the working population peaked as a result of the aging process. Japan's lost decade happened as soon as domestic spending shrank. In other countries in the West, we have a population that, as it retires, switches from actively contributing to economic output to one that is strictly consuming from society. They spend less. They pay less in taxes. They demand more from society in terms of social security and health care. The deficit spending at the federal level gets the most attention. But the federal government has a tool to print money at will and inflate its way out of the problem by effectively devaluing the currency. It's a way of taxing the population without anybody really noticing. But in fact, the federal government budget deficit was a trillion dollars this year and was a trillion dollars last year. And next year, it's going to be past a trillion dollars for every year thereafter. The government racked up a new debt of $2,750 for every man, woman, and child in America this year. And that comes to $7,100 per household. That's in addition to the already existing debt of $22 trillion that was just surpassed last week. And that debt comes to $67,000 for every man, woman, and child in the country, or a total of $173,000 per household. And nobody seems to be talking about this. This is a train wreck in the making. And here's what my friend Peter Schiff had to say about the $22 trillion in debt. He said, This is just the funded portion of the debt. This is where the U.S. government sells a bond and somebody buys that bond. It doesn't include the $70 trillion in unfunded liabilities, like what the government owes for Social Security or guaranteed bank deposits or mortgages or student loans or any of that nonsense. That's not in the number. Those are all contingent liabilities, but they're just as real. They're not even part of the national debt calculation. The latest bit of insanity comes from all corners of Washington, D.C. The looming size of the deficit was not mentioned in the State of the Union address, wasn't mentioned in the debate around the budget ceiling when the U.S. government shut down. Former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers and Jason Furman, who used to head the National Economic Council, both wrote in a paper last week arguing against deficit reduction. They wrote, Deficit concerns limit government investments in education, healthcare, and infrastructure, all of which do more to help the economy in the long run than deficit reduction. That was their point of view. Now, I may not be economist, but I can perform some pretty basic arithmetic. I can say categorically that the economy will not grow faster than interest rates. A country will never grow its way out of a deficit. Remember, interest rates reflect a connection to the rate of inflation, but they also carry a risk premium. When countries carry irresponsible levels of debt, 
the risk of default clearly goes up. And it's not the Federal Reserve who will establish the interest rate at that point in time. It's going to be the open market. When China decides it no longer wants to hold 25% of the global float of U.S. Treasury bills, who is going to step in to buy them and at what price? When Saudi Arabia decides it no longer wants to hold dollars quite so much, who's going to step in and buy them and at what price? We see countries in South America with much higher interest rates in the U.S. Why is that? Because they're at higher risk of default. When investor sentiment shifts and global investors don't want to hold U.S. dollars anymore, then the U.S. dollar will carry a risk premium, exactly the same as Argentina. Oh, and remember those retired folks who are expecting their pensions to be paid from local and state governments? What happens when those pension funds run out of money? The city of Chicago can't print money. The state of California can't print money. The current socialist backlash in the country is putting the country on an accelerated spending spree. We're seeing it in Italy. We've seen it far too much in recent years in the fiscal mismanagement in Canada. And we're seeing the pressure of the yellow vest protesters in France. All of these movements are towards spending more money and attaching the entire population to the big piggy bank in the sky that's going to provide money forever. So you're thinking about that. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.